And what's going on, podcasters? This is Kevin McCove, and you are tuned in to the McCove Mindset Podcast. Today, I'm super excited to get to introduce you to my friend, Wellington Laura, the founder of the Cuniverse. He is such an incredible individual. Company specializes in licensing and music placement. They've gotten placements all over. I'm talking Telemundo, MTV, CBS, NBC, ESPN. Uh, I'm going to let this guy talk to you about how it all got started and what you can do to put yourself in the right position if you're trying to get your music music placed. So let's jump right into it, okay? So yeah, let's dive in. Like, yeah. How did you get into this world? Like, what got what got you into music? Did, were you in like a band or anything in school or? Yeah. So I I first I was a uh, I, I took I had piano lessons that my parents put me through that um, kind of helped to kickstart the music. And then from there, like when I was a kid, I used to like to make my own songs and and stuff on the piano. And, um, you know, one, well, then as I got older, you know, I started to like um, meet different people. And some of the first people that I met that kind of helped, I, I would say, start my career in music were some musicians that had bands in the New York area. So I started playing with some of these bands. And that's kind of like what initially got me started in production because these bands didn't really have a ton of money. It was like more Latin bands, like merengue, salsa bands. Word. I used to play keys with. And so, like, they didn't have a lot of money for production. And so, they would try to like ask me if I could put something together for them like on the computer using like, you know, I forget the program, it was like Cubase or something like that. Right. And like connecting my keyboard. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure I can figure it out. Like, so I would try to make arrangements on these programs. And like, that's where I kind of initially started to kind of like actually start to make music like for, uh, you know, just period, like on a computer, you know? Word. And so you used to use it live? like. How long ago was this? Because I'm just trying to, for my own frame of yeah. reference. So no, this is probably like, I was probably like 19, 20 years old. So like, I'm, 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 I just turned 39. So it was like maybe 20, 20 years ago. Right. So like 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Around 2000. Yeah. So were you using a laptop or did you like have to load it onto like a, like a USB or like how did yeah. this work? I had, I had a Dell computer because <laughs> you're not cool unless you have a Dell. Right. You dude, know? get a Dell. Dude, dude, I'm getting a Dell. <laughs> yeah. And somehow I like took out the sound card that the Dell computer had and replaced it with another sound card that was more powerful mm-hmm. and like and kind of started to do my production that way, you know, like using, right. using the computer. So did you have to take the computer with you when you would go to performances? Oh, no, no, no. That I was a keyboard player. So like I could just bring my piano, you know. Oh, but you would create the arrangements and everything. Right. So like they would ask me like, you know, they would ask me to create arrangements for them and like we would do it. And then, like, you know, they might use it at a show or something like that, whatever, you know, whenever it would be appropriate, you know? That's pretty dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a fun time, man. It was, like, it was good times. And then, so that then transitions you into being, getting more into the world of, like, composition and production? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, I had so many music influences growing up. And, like, I mean, growing up in New York, I mean, hip-hop, obviously. Like, my, my dad was big into, like, um, you know, just rock. So like I was a big like 70s, 80s, 60s rock, you know, um, guy too. And then like, um, then I, you know, I love Latin music because, you know, I, I'm like Hispanic, so I have that background too. So it was like all these different, you know, things into one melting pot, you know? Yeah. And I used to, you know, and then I would play with the band, try to make them arrangements. And then I got kind of, I don't know, I got kind of whacked just because like, you know, you, you play and I mean, I would do it really just to play because I just like playing. It wasn't for the money. 
And like, I mean, they would, they would pay me like crap money, like 50, 70 bucks for, you know, to do like two sets, you know? So it was like, it was <laughs> oh, bad yeah, money. right. Uh, yeah, it was pretty bad, but it's like, I just liked gigging, you know, because I thought it was fun. Right. Um, and then like, you know, then I started to say to myself, you know, like, you know, I, I kind of was getting bored with, with just Latin music at the time. And I was like, man, like, I should try like doing some like just pop or like hip hop, like, because I've always loved that music and it would be really cool to try to recreate it. And then I started, you know, just doing like hip hop beats and like, and like pop tracks or, you know, just, um, you know, techno, basically anything at that time that was like interesting to me, but really, especially hip hop beats were like, really like, I was big with that at that time, you know? Right. So, so I started making beats and, you know, trying to shop around to artists and like, you know, you know how that goes, like trying to get into the, into the hands of A&Rs and, and all that kind of Yeah, stuff, the, hustle, the hustle, the hustle. Yeah. yeah exactly. And, and learn very quickly that obviously it's not an easy thing to do. Right. Although I did have some success doing it, but like, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was always discouraging, you know, because you have a meeting with an A&R and then they're like, they're loving it. Oh man, it sounds great. I can hear this person on it. I can hear that person. Right. They're gassing you up. All right. Yeah. Gassing me up. All right. So you go. Cool. Let's, let's do it. And then like, you follow up with a week later, like, yeah, you know, I took a listen again. And I don't know, it just doesn't feel right. But like, keep making me, keep sending me stuff though. <laughs> Which proved to me that just A&Rs in general really just don't know. Well, you know, I'm not going to take that away from them. There are, I'm sure a lot of talented A&Rs out there, but I think that for the most part, they're scared to take a chance, mm. you know, like they're scared to, you know, follow maybe their own gut of what they feel is good because, you know, they're afraid to make a bad decision because a bad decision means like a loss of a job, you know? Right. So, especially I mean, by them. It's, yeah. Especially I mean, by men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very conservative about that. So, I mean, I didn't take it to heart. It was just more discouraging. You know, it's just like, all right, well, what am I going to do now? Right. You know, I mean, uh, that era taught me that really having the relationship with the artist is probably the best thing you can possibly do. You know, mm. never going through any middleman, you know, that never works. Um, I mean, maybe it might work sometimes. Maybe if like your shit really cuts through everyone else's stuff. Um, but, you know, the all the placements that I got with artists really was just straight from just relationships that with I had artists. either with them or somebody that was I was very close to that wouldn't shit on me. Right. How long did you go through the process of like trying to shop to artists before you said, okay, what's next? What else is yeah. out here? I mean, not long, maybe like a year or two. Okay, so then <laughs> you got burned out yeah. of that. Like. I mean, I was still hustling, like, you know, having a nine to five job at the time. Okay. I'm like, all right, I'm just making beats on the side and seeing what, what I can get going, or get, get popping, you know? And, you know, I mean, I did work with some, you know, I mean, I worked with, I did a track with Pitbull. I did a track with Nina Sky. I did uh, some music for Nori, Busta Rhymes, um, Swiss Beats I worked with on a track, um, Fat Joe, Cassidy, uh, Joel Ortiz. Like, you know, I definitely worked with some, with some dudes. Right. How did you get, how did you get those opportunities? So within that year that you were on that hustle, how did you yeah. find yourself in the position to make those opportunities happen? It was more through some of the people I knew. Like, so I knew a lot of DJs mm -hmm. and, and just personalities that would be in a club a lot. Like, uh, um, mostly, uh, mostly through my boy Juggernaut, um, who was an artist at one point. Um, and he was, uh, he worked very closely with like the heavy hitters. So like DJ Camillo and, and DJ Enough and all those guys. And like, this was during the time where he was kind of trying to, uh, trying to, trying to, uh, I guess get out there as an artist. Mm -hmm. And so I was producing a lot of his music 
And, you know, because he was so well connected, he was getting, you know, features on tracks that we would do together or like, you know, with the artists and stuff like that. So it was really through a lot of his own connections that I was getting all these places. Word. And I mean, you know, and again, it's just like, it's from direct to the artist, you know, like it's the best connection to get, man. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Right. And you have like a cosign. You, you have someone that knows exactly. you that's willing to make the investment of a cosign that, that can say like, yeah, 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 no, like this person right here. Um, yeah. So, and it, was, and it was crazy. It was like, I always had to, you know, just like any, any producer, you have like what Kanye once, once called one of his companies, you have uh, something called loop dreams. Like instead of hoop dreams, you got loop, loop dreams, dreams, you know, like, like, like <laughs> trying, to, trying to like be a producer and like trying to like get your shit really out there and be super well known. But then, strangely, during that time, I also was was uh, was approached by a friend of mine who um, was producing a TV show for, or, uh, you know, a pilot to shop around to different network. Word. And she she had asked me, like, hey, you know, I know you do music. You know, would you mind scoring my, you know, my show? And I was like, of course, sure. So I gave her music, scored her show. Now, have you ever done, had you ever done anything like this at that time? No. So you just said, yeah, I can do it. Just like, yeah, I'm going to figure out how to do it. I mean, it was pretty much like, you know, I had music and she's like, you know, I would just send her music I already had, Mm -hmm. you know, and she was kind of putting it in the show. So it wasn't like scoring per se, but it was more like like placement. Right, exactly. Exactly. Needle drops. Gotcha. And so she was like, all right, you know, so she started to, she put all the stuff in. I pretty much scored her entire pilot and she started, she was very well connected and started shopping it around the different networks. To, for, for the network to potentially pick up her show. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those networks was MTV. And MTV was kind of like, well, we don't really like the show. It's not really exactly our format. But the producer happened to ask, well, well who did the music though? We really like the music. You think you can connect us to that, to that artist? Wow. And my friend was like, sure, of course. And that's initially what started my first uh, kind of venturing into TV music where that guy was one of the producers uh, for True for MTV's True Life. Okay. And 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 that's where I got that's where I scored my first TV show was an episode of MTV's True Life. I Live to Ride. That's what it was called back in two thousand four. Whoa. Yeah. And so like at the same time I'm shopping around stuff to artists, and then like you know I'm doing music for this guy who like wants me to give him music and. He's telling me I'm gonna make some money on royalties, and I'm just like, all right, whatever. You know, months go by, and I'm like, all right, whatever. I, you know, I took the L on this. I'm not really gonna get anything from it, but you know, at least my music was on a TV show, a couple TV shows. Right. And then, and all of a sudden, I get a royalty check in the mail, and it was more than I had made probably in the last two years <laughs> producing <laughs> tracks for like other people. Well, not just that, and, and just even working like uh, yeah, job. that's a like, win. It was far more money than I made like in the last two years working. And I was like, what? I was like, so I called up the producer. I'm like, hey man, this must be, it must be a mistake. <laughs> I, I think you I put too like, many zeros on my check. I'm like, I, I've got a fat check, man. And I'm like, I don't know if that's mine. Like, I don't know if I, that's really like all mine. You know what I'm saying? So I want to give you that heads up just because I'm the honest person that I am. And, and he was like, not broski. I remember it's like, nah, broski, that's all you. That's, that's kind of how you talk. Right. Like, nah, broski, that's all you, bro. And I'm like, dude, you sure, man? Like, there's, there's no way this could be mine. It's like, this is too much money. And he was like, like, nah, man, that's you. I was like, oh. Was like, so, like, I probably didn't spend it, like, 
at all. Like, because I was waiting, like, all right, somebody's gonna come back to me. Like, and be like, yo, you owe half, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. And so, so it was kind of crazy. I mean, the amount was like, I think it was like $14,000. And like, I had never seen that amount of money all in one check. In one check, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of crazy. And so, you know, I was just like, all right. So then like, so then as I'm shopping around stuff to artists and as I'm doing that, I'm like, okay. Well, I just saw some money right now. Like, all right, maybe I should focus a little bit on that. Right. You know? And I started to focus more. And then sometimes the artist's life would pull me. And I started to see that there was just no return on my investment, man. It's like I was putting in the work, sending to a million people, going to events, doing everything I possibly can. And like, I just didn't feel like I was, just, I was, I mean, I was making zero money. Right. And I don't feel like I was just going anywhere. So I said, why not go focus on something that's actually bringing me money? And so that's when I started to get really like serious about like, going super heavy and super hard with the TV stuff. And then, so what, how long, was it a gap between your next placement or had you kind of established a relationship where now you kind of had a, a company with, like with MTV, had you established a relationship at that point where you could kind of dip in here and there? Like, hey, what's well, up? I got some new stuff. Yeah. We're just hoping to. Well, well, the thing was, I never, I never stopped. Like, it's not like I gave them music and I was like, all right, I'll see you guys later. Right. I was like, I kept sending music because he kept asking for it. So I was like, all right. So I kept on doing like multiple, you know, he was just working on so many True Life episodes. I was just working on more and more episodes with him. And it got to a point where I'm like, all right. And I started seeing some more money, more money. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, hey man, do you know any other people that do what you do and maybe that I can connect with? Right. And he's like, sure. You know, here's another producer friend of mine who does exactly what I do, but on a different show. <laughs> okay. Like, okay. That sounds, that's that cool. Sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. So I started, I mean, it, it just kept going and going and going. Like, I kept just repeating. It was like rinse and repeat that same cycle until I started to really build a lot of people that I would basically be sending music to every month for any new projects that they're working on. So that and, was, so just for people listening who may be like, yeah, this is what I want to do too. So, like, your yeah. process was you, you got established with someone, yeah. you built a connection, you fostered a relationship. Um, yeah. With someone who, so is there a job title that this particular individual had that would be relevant for someone listening? Yes. Yeah. So, so like, I mean, in all areas, depending on what kind of a place you're targeting, if we're talking TV, it can be a little difficult because the thing is, is that, you know, at the time that contact, he was a producer, you know, who you want to be in contact with, I mean, the number one person is always an executive producer, right? Because he's, he runs the show, he makes all the decisions, but sometimes, you know, music may be beneath him almost in a sense, where it's like he has other things that he feels are more important to deal with. So in that sense, maybe a music supervisor might be a person to talk to. Gotcha. Maybe a post-production supervisor may be a person to talk to. Maybe a producer might be somebody to talk to. I mean, every place is gonna be different, but usually you wanna to try, to, try to find a, maybe the person highest up on the ladder that you can get in contact with. If not them, then maybe you wanna to try to get the highest person on the ladder within the production, um, the actual production of the of the show. Of the show. Because those are the people that are like, you know, putting the show together, putting the finishing touches in post, and those are the people that you most likely want to get in touch with. Now, the problem is if it's if there's no if there's no music supervisor, a lot of these companies typically want big, large amounts of music via hard drive. So, you know, sometimes they're not really gonna entertain a composer or just, you know, an artist maybe has five or ten tracks because to them it's like all right we're going to use this artist i mean maybe it could be worth their while but like it's it, they're really more gravitating towards 
companies or people that are going to give them a large Volume. amount of music for them to use in their production, you know? Gotcha. So is this, in your process of finding out that information, is that how you started the Cuniverse? Is that what incited you to, to start a company that had... So, first of all, because I'm kind of jumping, what is yeah. the Cuniverse? Can you tell us like, what the Cuniverse is? Yeah, the Cuniverse is a music library slash custom agency that uh, provides amazing music to TV shows, to films, to brands, and, and content creators. So, it's basically anybody that's needing music for a project, we are the company that has potentially that music for them. And so, initially, what inspired me to, to really... Uh, create the universe was you know I had been doing this thing with the with the you know sending you know uh, music to um, all these shows and getting placements while still having a nine to five job while still trying to you know hustle you know my tracks on the side to, to artists you know here and there wherever I could because you never like the passion never really leaves you right and I started to have a lot of success doing it honestly as a, as a composer just as my by myself and. I started to say to myself, like, how can I do this on a bigger scale? But more, more with like, I guess more I had the idea of like, how can I help other composers, you know, be successful in this too, and kind of help keep the dream alive of what it is that they're doing. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, be able to build like a bigger revenue stream for myself, considering what I've been doing has been successful, but like maybe up-leveling it, taking to, you know. The next stage. Set. Yeah. Right. So then that's when I started the Universe back in, I want to say 2011. Mm. Um, I started, you know, every month I'm sending up a bunch of my own music and I said, you know, what if I could get, you know, uh, you know, two other composers music to send just as much music their way, you know, we'd be able to maximize more music to them and we'd also be able to like place more music and potentially make more money. So then I start, I started, that's how I started to like up-level it. So that I started it initially with just a couple of composer friends that I had and I'm like, all right, you know, like, give me your catalog, so let me see what I can do with it. And then we started to get placements, and then it started to grow, and people would see our name on the cue sheets, and then people would just find us because they see, all right, these people are, like, you know, making moves because they see our names on cue sheets and stuff. Right, so and other so, producers, so I know what you mean. Like, they're looking through to see, like, where their name is, what drop right. they got, okay. and they're seeing your name pop up frequently. Yeah. And right. so they say, okay, well, let me go, because you're going to come up as the publisher, right? Right, right. So they're like, all right, well, you know, and it, and it's common sense. I mean, I, when I was a composer, I was doing a lot of the same as well. Like when I was just a composer, I would be like, all right, there's my stuff. But I, would, I was curious to see who else is on here and who's doing a lot of placements because I'm like, well, that's somebody I need to know who they are and how they're doing it. Right. You know? So, you know, a lot of composers started to hit me up because they would see my name and our, our publishing company on a lot of cue sheets. And that's how we started to slowly build like just our, our whole repertoire catalog of, of music, which is like at um, 30, 30, 30, 35,000, 30 to 35,000 right now tracks. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. That's insane, it's massive. 35,000 yeah, yeah. pieces of music. Yeah, and that's really only between maybe, I wanna say like three to 400 artists too. So it's not too many artists either, you know? Right, so it just shows a level of the people that you are working with that they're on the stage of like, they work. They put in the right, work. Right, exactly. Because they have enough material. Yeah. And, um, and, and honestly, there are definitely some that don't, you know, that, and those are ones that I'm really looking to reconnect with, really, and because I have a personal relationship with every composer that's on board with us. Um, but there's some that have kind of slipped through the cracks where it's like, maybe they haven't gotten too many placements and maybe I don't know them that well and or even had a conversation with them. Maybe it's just been all via email. But like, you know, those are the people that I want to try to reconnect with because 
my whole sense of what I'm trying to do now is really build more of a community. Gotcha. Um, so that we can all try to benefit from from what we're doing as a group, as opposed to like every man for themselves, which is how a lot of the music industry operates, as I'm sure you know. Right, yeah, so this is more of like a collaborative epic, almost like kind of how songwriters are starting to work. Exactly. Where it's more like, yo, I have a song and it's dope, but you are another songwriter who may not be, you can facilitate a placement for me. Right. So let me get you on the song. Right. <laughs> so that that way, you know, and, and then you never also know like what that relationship's gonna turn into. You know, you, exactly. you, you can make a better product. Yeah, the song might be hot, but exactly. then when you get that exactly. extra flavor on it. Yeah, and I mean, listen, when, at the end of the day, man, what's a, what's 100% of zero? You know what right. I mean? Like, zero. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. it's a fat exactly. zero. So why not get a cut of something else? Right. Right? You're making some money with it, and it's also building network, building relationships, and like, you know, hopefully it could lead to other bigger things. Right. So quickly, just because I, in my mind, I'm like, if anyone listened yeah. to that part of the conversation, and they're pro- they could still be like, what is a cue sheet? So you want to let me know what a cue sheet is? Yeah, so every time a TV show creates, um, uses a piece of music, they have something called a cue sheet, which is basically a sheet that they put down all the music, the amount of music they used, all the details, who wrote it, and then they take that and they submit it to all the PROs, which are the ASCAP, BMI, CSACs of the world, and those are the royalty you know, paying companies that know who to pay out once they receive this cue sheet. Because if they get it from uh, a network TV show, they know that, all right, these are the people that we need to pay royalty-wise. So have you experienced any, like, when you have that much music out, like, that you're pitching yeah. out, how do you know, or are you just trusting that the PRO is catching it? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's always good to, like, protect your stuff and try to find it wherever you can. Like, if you can tune sat it, that's great, but that's can, they can get very expensive. Um, you know. What is, um, what is tune statting? I'm sorry? What is that? What is TuneStatting? TuneStat is just like a service that allows you to track your music. So you pay them per song for them to basically track your music all over the world in every possible medium that you can think of. Hmm. So if somebody has used your track and, and you know you don't know about it, they will send you a report and tell you exactly where it's being used. Word. And does that and help it, you if someone is not like paying a licensing fee? Yeah, you can find out who's not paying a licensing fee, but to be perfectly honest, it's a complete waste of time if you're not doing huge projects. Gotcha. In my opinion, like if you're not doing like, you know, uh, commercials that are paying you twenty to thirty thousand or more uh, for composing, or if you're working with big, or you know, working with big time artists and have a hit record out, if you're like a, a you know, a, a composer still on the rise, in my opinion, it's not going to pay for itself. You know, because, you know, yeah, maybe you'll find some uses on YouTube that are unauthorized, maybe some uses here or there. But in my experience, it will probably equate to dollars, you know, I mean, if you get $100 off of that, I'd be surprised. And I mean, I'm someone who has over 2000 songs um, out there in like every possible reality show that you can think of. And I wouldn't waste my time on it because even I don't think I'd get really that much bang for my buck considering like the amount of money that I might be paid after pursuing them. But again, everybody has a different take on it. That's just my own take. Right. I just feel like it's just, it just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't pay for itself. And it's like, why would I do something that's not going to pay for itself? Listen, we're in the music business. We know, and if, especially if you're doing music for media here and there, there are things that are going to slip through the cracks and maybe somebody that's using your stuff, you know, without you knowing, but like, you know, at the end of the day, like, I think 
you'd be better served by focusing on trying to find new business, new business than, yeah. than, than focusing on trying to find that, you know, your track was illegally used in, you know, uh, an internet video in Japan that you could really do nothing about right? other than try to go after them and try to block it on YouTube and like, really like, what is that making you? That's making you zero dollars anyway. So right. it's like, it's, I just don't feel like it's, it's really worth it. Again, unless you've got a lot of stuff out there and you really feel like I could, you know, by me finding out some unauthorized usage, I, it can make me like 10 or 20,000, you know, $1,000 extra a year or something like that, you know? Um, but yeah, in my opinion, I don't think for me, at least for me, it's just you wouldn't, not worth it. You wouldn't it, do you know? it. Right. So you, so you, but you do feel like ASCAP or B, are you an ASCAP guy? BMI guy? I'm an ASCAP guy, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I do feel like, listen, it's in their best interest to find as many usage as possible for you because right. they get paid off of it. So why would they not want to make money, you know? Right. Like, they they want to they want to try to they want to try to make you as much money as possible so they can make their cut as much as possible. So um, they've been, I, in my opinion, they've been pretty good. Um, I've I've never had a problem with them and I've always been paid well. So you know, I think they've been great. You know, we have a publisher with each with each PRO, and honestly, the only one that I'm not so crazy about is CSAC, because I feel like the royalty rates are a little bit low. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it, I guess it could be subjective depending on the shows that we've been working on with them, but. I find overall when I compare my statements, it's all kind of the same across the board, except for CSAC. I don't know, I feel like it's just a little off with CSAC. So, you know, there's no real formula that you'll ever find out on how to figure figure out how they do it. So it's just one of those things that's just like, man, if it's just not working for you, you should just move on to another PRO, you know? Yeah, most people, so so oftentimes the people that ask me, you know, when learning about PROs, they're like, oh, well, which one do I go with? Like, should I go with ASCAP? Should I go with BMI? Should I go with CSAC? Yeah. And I'm like, I feel like my general advice is normally, well, it doesn't matter that much, you know, like, and I just kind of explain like, okay, well, depends on how you want to get paid out. So because BMI, I think can pay you like monthly or something like that. Like they 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 have like a different payment system than ASCAP does. They don't have a different payment system, but for the most part, honestly, like I feel like, you know, BMI may have some, you know, I've heard people talk about some perks where, oh, they may pay up front for this or that. But, um, you know, honestly, like we haven't, I mean, I feel like, honestly, like on the back end, at least for royalties, uh, BMI and ASCAP are kind of the same Comparative. in regards to payout. Cool. You know, CSAC is the only one that I'm like, eh, it looks a little bit low. But again, we don't have a ton of artists that are with us that are CSAC. It's maybe just literally like under five. And so, you know, they get some placements. It's not like a ton. So I think that may also be a factor. But I don't know. In my, you know, I just, I think ASCAP or BMI, either or is, is fine, you know? Yeah, so I'm curious. I think that's great information for anybody listening who's like, oh, well, like, how do I know which one to go with? And, yeah. you know, for someone like you, where you actually get to say, like, okay, well, me and another composer or another producer are on the same cue sheet for the same yeah. drop. Uh, you know, maybe it's 50 50, but you're on ASCAP and he's on BMI. And then you guys can talk yeah. to each other and be like, hey, well, like, what did they pay you versus what did they pay me? Yeah. And you can yeah. understand, like, who's paying out more or who's paying out less or. Especially if that occurs more times, like the more examples you get of it, you can see, well, wow, yeah. you consistently have been getting less or you consistently have been getting more. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we do that all the time because it's like we, we work on uh, similar shows that have different artists. Some, some of our artists that we rep are ASCAP and some are BMI. And you can see the usage and it's like it's kind of the same. Like, honestly, like there's not really that much of a difference. Like maybe there's a little maybe there sometimes can be a little different, but even that is hard to say because there's no apples to apples, you know, because there might be a song that's used for 10 seconds and there's another song that's used for five seconds. 
Maybe that's as close as we can get or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they both aired primetime. But, you know, and, and that's kind of like, you know, we try to find songs that are as similar as possible so that we can use to compare. And, like, when we do, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of the same. It's like, it's not really that much of a difference. So you, said, difference. you said something there that, in, that intrigued me. You said prime time. So are there different, yeah. are there different payouts depending on, let's say, let, like, what are the different, what are the different payouts? Like, networks yeah, so, or timing so, or... Yeah, so, so there's a couple factors when the royalties pay out that they decide for how much you're going to get paid. So um, those factors are the network and what it plays on. So depending if the network is a very um, lucrative network that has a lot of eyes on it and it's a bigger, um, a big funded network that has a lot of money and a lot of revenue coming in. Um, a smaller company, like say like, a, you know, I'm comparing like MTV to like a Viceland, you know, where Viceland is a little bit on the lower scale because they're a newer network. Um, they have less money behind them in regards from a, from a TV standpoint, at least. Congratulations so, on that, by the way. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, so, like, so there's so th so there's going to be like a different you know payout uh, with an MTV show versus like you know Viceland or History Channel show, History Two or MTV Two even. Um, then another factor is the amount of time that they use your track. So if they the more obviously they use your track, the more money you'll make. The less obviously the less you'll make. Um, the um, the uh, time of day in which it plays. So there's morning, there's afternoon, there's prime time, and there's overnight. So if your track plays are in prime time, between eight and like 12 a.m. I believe that they consider prime time, um, you're gonna make the most money possible because they feel that's the most amount of people that are watching TV at that time. Hmm. Um, the least amount of money you're probably gonna make is overnight because obviously- Nobody's uh, watching TV, right. You know, you know, 1 a.m. and like 6 in the morning and like people were probably not watching as much TV during that time. So it's kind um, of scaled how the radio scaled. I'm sorry? Terrestrial radio does a payout scale that's very similar to that where, you know, right. you they have do, a different hour. Rate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it's kind of, but, but the good thing about TV is not surveyed though. It's everything that airs gets paid. Unlike radio, it's like if, if ASCAP is listening at that time, that's what, if that's, that's when you're <laughs> Right, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, and then they'll, they'll be like, all right, your song played during the time I was listening, so I'm going to assume that your song also played. Right, let me throw it into the algorithm, and then, yeah. Right, exactly. But, um, and then also one more factor for, for uh, TV placement stuff and royalties is if, um, is, uh, uh, some songs also build credits. So, I'm not sure exactly 100% like how the credit system works, but I know that um, a credit of a song may go up if it's been used in the past a lot. And so when, when it gets used again, every time it gets used, you'll basically build up a credit for that song. And obviously the higher the credit, the higher the, ro the royalty value can be of the song as well. Um, let me see if I understood you correctly. So you're yeah. saying that like if a song gets used multiple times, it builds a credit system so that it has more value? Yeah, something to that effect. And again, don't quote me on that. Like I'm not exactly 100% sure, but that's kind of what I'm understanding. Okay. Um, and, or there may be some other factors that go into that particular song having a bit of a higher credit. I, I say the theory that I did because it seems like songs that have been used on a TV show, maybe like in the first season, that same song is generating way higher royalties because it now has a higher credit. Um, and, and even though it's in the same show, the payout is higher because of that. So does that, under that theory, right? We're gonna say that's a theory. So yeah. under that premise, yeah. 
does the value of a theme song increase from like you know like season one episode one to season five episode one is it now like oh well now that the theme song is even bigger the show is like way bigger uh yeah. is it worth more now like can the can the well, value be, change like that yeah absolutely potentially i mean um and then one other thing that i wanted to mention is depending on the usage of your music that can also be a factor in, in how much royalties you make so if you are if your music is being used in background if it's a featured vocal, if it's a theme song, those are all different factors and different pay scales, um, depending on how your song is actually used. So like, obviously the, the higher would probably be the theme song, at least from my own experience, mm -hmm. because it's featured in every single episode. And like you said, I feel like it's building a credit or, or somehow it's getting just because of the usage, it's getting a higher rating, which is, which is giving a higher royalty scale payout. Gotcha. And then, so what were the other two that you mentioned? So that was, that's the theme. Theme song, then you have featured vocal, which could be a vocal, like a track that's being featured as the main kind of like, um, maybe in between scenes. Mm -hmm. And so there's nothing going on other than like some, some B-roll and maybe like your featured vocal song. Um, that's one payout. Um, you know, even, even I believe songs with vocals can be, can be, you know, have a different payout in some cases. Um, then background instrumental, which is just straight like background instrumental. And I think there might be a few other ones but those are the ones I know it's off the top of my head. I know that maybe a bumper could be treated differently. That's like basically the piece of music that you'll hear right before uh, a, a show goes to commercial and comes back from commercial. Mm. Um, so, you know, I know that I know that for a fact, theme song, featured vocal and background, those are ones that are that definitely like exist. And I know that there may be a couple of others, but that's the ones that at least we, we do a lot of for sure. Dope. Now, so with the advancement and changes in like technology and stuff like that like everything we talked about was like all television type of yeah. orientation what about the stuff on the internet like are you getting placements on internet based uh like solely internet based mediums yeah yeah so we do that as well and that stuff is mostly direct licenses so if a company reaches out and wants to use a piece of music we'll usually you know ask for upfront money and then that way we take that money and we distribute half of it to the composer. And that's pretty much like the equivalent of royalties. Word. So is, are there more... I guess what I want to ask is, are there more instances of just like, you know, okay, here goes an exclusive license for this, 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 and this for all internet things? Yeah. I mean, these days, exclusive licenses, I mean, unless you're a really big brand, they're not going to ask for something exclusive. Um, unless the brand really does not want anybody else to, to use it, it. And in which case you obviously can jack up the price um, because that means that that song is going to be out of commission for you. Mm. Um, but I mean, no, not really. I mean, exclusive stuff. I mean, one, one other thing that, that is good to mention is that you can make some royalties on the back end on internet stuff, um, but it's limited to platforms. So it's pretty much limited to like YouTube. And I think that some Facebook is getting involved with, I mean, some, at some point, Facebook is also going to be giving royalties out, depending on like when they kind of get their ducks in order in regards to that. Right. But I mean, we use like third-party companies like AdRev to help collect royalties for us on the, on the on the YouTube side. So if anybody is basically using you know your song um, without your permission and you find it online, you basically send it to the company and they, and you go, hey, um, they're using my song without my permission, and then slap an ad on it, and then you can collect some of the ad revenue. Um, also. 
you know, also you can give them a, a catalog of a lot of your music and then they can basically use YouTube's content ID to find out if there's any illegal use being used that's out there of your tracks as well. Right. So I'm, I'm curious, have you experienced like with the new YouTube content IDs and stuff, is it is there just like less illegal use of music because essentially YouTube is just paying a blanket licensing fee for all of the music that gets uploaded in there anyway? Um, not necessarily because YouTube's content ID is very good and sometimes it's not good because I believe I've heard that sometimes the song has to play for at least 30 seconds um, for, them, for the content ID to ca actually catch it. Um, also, like if you have other things going on at the same time while the track is playing, like say... Uh, background noise or anything like it probably won't be able to catch it either hmm. um so so it can be tricky it can be really tricky um so can you go back like, exactly so what was your question around that exactly like i'm sorry like sure. well you know like because youtube will be like okay if you use like a third party let's say you're an artist right and you use right. i don't know cd baby tune core distro kid whatever whenever you yeah. like upload it you click the youtube button Whenever it distributes your music, it now puts a copy of your music on YouTube. Right. And so if you go into like the YouTube creator, uh, you want to upload a video or whatever, and you want to put a music drop in your video, you can select from any music that is registered inside of that YouTube catalog, correct. which is yeah. like virtually, I mean, it's so many songs, you know? Sure. So let's sure. say it's me. Let's say you create a video and you want to take one of my songs without, quote unquote, without asking me, you know, like yeah, and yeah. Just place it in there and then upload your video. You, it's like, all right, I can't be like, oh, well, no, no one asked me. I kind of give, I gave that privilege away sure. when I uploaded yeah. it well, to yeah, YouTube. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you give it away, then obviously they, they, yeah, you can't try to monetize the video after the fact. Right. Know? So I was because just, I was wondering if there was just like a way around that with, or if there's any, do you see anything with like Facebook or YouTube or anything with it, with it just like getting so big now and video creation is so much bigger? Like even Instagram has really started to focus so much more on like video content rather yeah. than still pictures. And with video content, there's so much music placement that's happening. Like so many videos, just music in the back of them. I feel like that's one yeah. of the most common comments that I've seen. Like, what's that song? Name of yeah. song, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and, and you know, all the artists out there that are, that are kind of worried about people ripping them off or using stuff on YouTube, I mean, you should look at it as an opportunity, really, to get, to get more visibility and viewers on your music. Like, right. I know that nobody wants to work for free and, and nobody wants to feel like they're ripped off, you know, or wants to feel like they're getting ripped off. But the reality is, man, it's like, you're not gonna make a ton of money on, 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 on you know, on, on, on background music on a YouTube video, unless that video, you know, it depends what a lot of money is to you. Right. Like, you know, you know, a million, you know, they say like about a million views could somewhat equate to anywhere from like 800 to $1,000, you know, in, in ad revenue, you know? Right. I mean, you know, whatever video your, your, your song is on has got to be making like, you know, doing millions for it to, of views for it to be like kind of worth your while. In which it's case you want a lot of people to have uploaded your stuff. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. exactly. So, you know, I, you know, I used to be really scared about like sharing my music when I first was just a composer and, and making beats and, 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 you know, because I was always afraid of somebody ripping me off. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I let go of that because it's like, man, if you have that mentality, it's like you're never going to get anything out there. And you have to. I mean, if you want people to hear your stuff, that's the only way it's going to happen, you know? Right. Um, are you 
are you excited or are you uh, more like skeptical about the future of Facebook in like your world? Like, you know, with Facebook watch and like, yeah. Yeah. are you, are you looking at that? Like, holy crap, this could be massive. This could be a yeah. revenue stream. This right now in history, like this is the greatest time to be in video and in music, right? Because, because there's just so, so much, much explosion of right. video content for, you know, for the last how many years, you know? And then now I feel like it's really reaching like this, this, you know, peak of like just massive amounts of content that people are creating. And I mean, it's a, you know, I mean, you can't have video without music. I mean, even though there are some companies that are feeling like most people don't turn the volume on when on Facebook scrolling. So I'm, I am one of those people. Yeah. And I then totally you have, am. Like some of the, you, you have to have some of the, uh, the, the type the words, you know, like the transcription underneath. Right. So you can read what's going on. But like initially those videos always will have a piece of music. Even if it's a crappy piece of music, they'll always have a piece of music. And now more than ever, like people that are creating content, like visual content need music. So like there's more than enough to go around for any and everyone. Right. Everybody eats. Yeah. Yeah, everybody. Was, <laughs> right. um, I think that I think that you just have to have faith and believe in your own ability as a composer and your own ability as a business person and say, hey, the right opportunities are going to come to me and I'm going to make it happen, you know, because uh, like I said, man, there's just so much out there. It's just hard for you. You know, it's hard to say that there's no opportunity out there, you know? Right. So so I, I we're on the same page because I'm definitely like, yo, there's so much out here. But I think that the common like if I were listening, if I was listening to this, I'd be like, okay, great. There's so much out here. How do I get, how do I get to the out here? Like I'm a producer yeah. or I'm an artist or whatever. And they say that there's so much opportunity, but I don't even know where to start. So what advice would yeah. you have to be like, look, these well, are some great places to start. Well, you got to start doing things that maybe are a little uncomfortable, you know, like you got to start calling people, you know, cold calls, cold calls. You got to. Yeah, you gotta start cold emailing people. You gotta try to connect with people on LinkedIn. You gotta go to networking events and parties and try to meet people that do, that do you know, that work in the industry that you want to get into so that you can kind of like take some steps into meeting the people that you need to connect with. Right. Um, you need to get on Twitter, Instagram, DM people and like, and Facebook and start going crazy. Like literally every which way, try to meet as many people as you possibly can. Because when I started, I didn't know anyone, you know, in, in my industry, except for a couple of guys, you know, that, that I was doing, you know, stuff with on MTV, and it was a good look. And they were connecting me to people as well, but it was very limited because, all right, you know, maybe I met four or five people with, that do what they, you know, that may be good connections for me. And then that ran dry, so it was like, what do I do next? So I started to go to events. I started to like, literally, I, I think I, I, I like looked up meetup.com, right? That's like initially what I first started like to really go, okay, I gotta meet some people, meetup.com. I would go to any and every meetup that I could possibly find with anybody that does music, television, film, whatever it was, I was just going. And it's like, you know what? If, I, if it's not really my industry, whatever, you meet some people and you never know who that person might know. That's right. the thing. Like sometimes, you know, yeah, you always want to find that direct connection. Like, oh, hey, this is the VP of Walt Disney. This is exactly who I need to be. Right. Sometimes you might meet a plumber and that plumber's brother is the VP of Walt Disney. Like, you know what I mean? You, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Right. So that's why, like, I just, I just, I think it's just a good idea to just meet people. And I promise you, eventually, if you get cool enough with someone and really get to know someone, you'll start to see, 
you start to learn about not only them, but also their network and see like, all right, maybe there might be some people in, in this person's network that could potentially help me in my business. Right. That's, that's really how it started for me. Yeah, and if you're cool enough, people want to extend their network to you. Right. Like if, they, right. if they have a vested interest in you, it's like, yeah, I, I have always had XYZ connection. You know, sometimes it's like, yo, right. you knew that I do this. Why didn't you tell me? And it's like, well, I yeah. never told you because I didn't, I wasn't on that well, level with it. you. Right. You know, like sometimes it's a trust issue. It's like, yeah, I could put you on to someone. Right. But I'm not in the, I'm not in a place where I want to make that connection. Sure. So then you have to foster this relationship Correct. first. Correct. Until right. they say, you know what? I know someone who can do this. And then they plug you in. Like Exactly. exactly. It was taking years to get connected to people. And like, honestly, you have to, and I, these are all gro- mistakes I made growing into my business. But it's like, when you first start, you're kind of like, you just want, right? You just want to take, 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 take. But it's like, you can't do that because nobody's going to help you like that. Right. You know, you got to give. So it's like, I'm giving away stuff to try to help people. I'm giving away free music to people. To, to try to like say, hey man, like I want to help you. Like, right. And we can help each other, you know, like like in hopes of that. Um, and I, I don't think you should give to expect something back, but I think give wholeheartedly from the heart. And I think that the universe will repay you in other ways, maybe not with that direct connection, but with someone else. Yeah, that's incredible insight. Yeah, for so- sure. Because, because you can't, you can't, like I know that, you know, you're starting a business, you got rent to pay, you got to make money. But like, if you come with the with the mindset of like, I need something or I need money from you or you need to buy something from me, it's not going to work, man. Because it's like people can see through that and feel the energy, and it's just like it's not right, you know? Right. So if you had, um, as we're wrapping this thing up, if you had one like major piece of advice to give to someone who was like starting this or, you know, just wants to get into the world of music for advertising, music. For placement or anything what would be like the major key that you would say to them you got to start meeting people Meet so people. you got to get out of your comfort zone you got to get out and start going to networking events to parties you got to pay to go to conferences where like-minded people that you want to connect with will be at um you have to do things that are uncomfortable you know start calling people start showing up at people's offices with with a box of cupcakes and say, hey man, I just want five minutes with you, you know? <laughs> right. And you'd be surprised at how, how, how that, that could work. That guy loves cupcakes. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like, who, like think about if you're if you're that, that person, if like somebody shows up to your office, they want five minutes with you with a box of cupcakes and they're not a dick, like I'm sure that they'll be like, all right, what's up man, talk to me, what do you, what do you want? Right, you, know? you have until I finish the cupcake. <laughs> right, right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Like, you know, I think it's just about doing things that, that you know, at the end of the day, man, it's all about who you know, man. And it's like, you, you meet the right people, you will get those right opportunities that you're looking for. And you can create those opportunities by also just doing the work and like having a set goal of like, all right, I got to reach out to 25 people a day, you know, because I know coming from sales that like, if I hit up like 125 people a week, maybe five of those is going to be a good lead for me. And maybe one of those converts into an actual sale. So it's like, it's all numbers, man. It's like the more, the more people you know, the more people you reach out to, the, the higher likelihood it is that you're gonna you're gonna get to where you need to get to or accomplish whatever it is you want to accomplish. Such a fact, man. So if anybody's listening and they wanted to, you know, ask for your advice or pick your brain or just even see what it is that you do or listen to your music, how would they get a hold of you? Where could they yeah, find I mean, your content? You can hit me up on. I mean, Instagram is always good. Like Willie Bones, that's my Instagram name, or the Cuniverse 
Instagram, that's cool too. Follow us on Instagram. Um, you know, um, those are probably my best communication avenues for the most part like with people that just want to kind of connect and like try to vibe a little bit. Like I'm a little bit weary about Facebook because I feel like Facebook, I don't really go on it that much. And like, it's more like for, for, for your personal, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, I mean, I got a lot of composers that try to reach out to me via Facebook, but I never really connect with them because again, like if I don't know you personally, I probably don't connect with you. Um, but like places like Instagram, like Twitter, even even sometimes in LinkedIn, I, I'll connect with people just to like, you know, if, if you if you send me a message on LinkedIn and not just, just connect with me blindly, right. if you connect with me blindly, I'm probably not going to connect with you. But like if you send me something just saying, yo, man, I, I do this, I do that, and I'd love to connect with you, I probably will connect with you. Um, and you can always send us a message via our website if you want to, you know, if you're a composer that wants to kind of get down or what we're doing. You know, um, if you just go to thecuniverse.com, like um, go to the contact section. And like, I mean, there's only, I mean, my company only has four people, three people now. So, um, you know, we all check that. So it's like, it's going to get to me or somebody on my staff. So like, we can kind of figure it out, you know, Word. and get, you know, and get, and get, and get, you know, at least respond back or, or give you some sort of feedback, at least um, if you know, if you want to get down with us. Yeah. So definitely reach out to him. He's super connected. Um, I have received placement through the Cuniverse myself. That's right. Yes, you have. Yeah, man. It's, so it's a, he's a great resource for anybody listening. Um, if you are a composer or producer or anything and you are looking for an opportunity to get involved with some other great producers and a great company, certainly shoot him a message. Um, yeah, and thanks, man. Thank you for taking the time out to to chat with me and share your knowledge and, and your experience. Hopefully it can you know, help provide a little, yeah. little motivation and some insight into a field. That's, that's all I want to do, man. Is like, honestly, like, I think that I started the company more from a, from a place of like, you know, how can I help other composers kind of do their thing, you know? And i try to stay true to that and not really chase the money because I feel like by chasing the more authentic kind of like route in, in this whole music biz, I feel like it'll bring me blessings in other ways. So it's like, yeah. that's kind of like my mindset. You know what I mean? That's a beautiful mindset, man. That wraps up another episode of the McCove Mindset Podcast. If you appreciated any of the information in the discussion today, please rate, comment, and subscribe. Every bit of support is appreciated. And I want to continue to bring you content that will enhance your career, your life, and your overall mindset. So again, thank you for listening, and I'll see you soon. I know someone will be someone. It's you, it's you.